listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to episode 193 of the Red Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by my talented co-host, Shelly Verstraight of Over the Monster, the Dynasty Guru, uh, Prospects 365, Pitcher List, and Rotographs. I'm doing this from memory. How did I do, Shelly? <laughs> you did good. Uh, you get You get a gold star. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, and you can find Shelly on Twitter at ShellyV underscore 643. You can find me at DevJake. And uh, yeah, we are going to be the hosts of this uh, edition of the podcast. On today's show, um, we are going to be touching on the first kind of big-ish signing of the year. And man, I say big-ish and it's one year, 3.1 million bucks, but it feels big. <laughs> Um, so we're going to talk some Hunter Renfro. Uh, we're going to hit on who the Red Sox selected in Rule 5 after Matt and I were kind of talking about that last week on the podcast. Um, and uh, there's an appearance there from from who? Orsillo or so- Soto right now? Uh, that's Orsillo. Okay. Okay. So those dulcet <laughs> tones are, are Shelly's bulldog Orsillo who's going to be making an appearance. Uh, and then we've got some listener questions too. So we got a whole whole bunch of stuff to talk about today. Uh, Shelly, let's start off with the big news. Hunter Renfro signs a one-year, $3.1 million deal um, that has some incentives tied to it, so it could end up being $3.7 million bucks for the year. Uh, what is your reaction to this deal? I know that when we talked on the pod a while ago, neither of us was super stoked about the idea of Hunter Renfro. How does he fit into the outfield situation right now? Um, I mean, when I saw the signing, I was like, ooh, you know, something happened. So I was, like, really excited about that. Um, but I just, I don't know if it actually, like, really clears up anything in the Red Sox outfield. Um, because, I mean, they were, like, uh, uh, Bloom was, like, talking about that, you know, um, it just, like, the outfield situation. And it, it, honestly, to me, it just seems very much in flux. And Renfro, even with the signing, um, he could either be, like, the starting right fielder or, you know, he could be a bench guy. And I just don't really think that it really clears anything up. Um, I'm glad he's on the team because, I mean, there's a new player, so that's exciting. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i still a little uh, conflicted and confused about how the outfield is going to shake out. Yeah, you and me both. This does absolutely nothing to clarify the situation. (laughs) Uh, If anything, it muddies it a little bit more. The thing that I like about Hunter Renfro uh, and the thing that I did like about him kind of before I knew he was going to sign with the team is that Hunter Renfro has a lot of power and can play right field. He has a good arm. He's a decent right fielder, so he's not going to kill you out there. As we know, right field at Fenway isn't you know, the simplest situation. It's not like going over and playing right field at Yankee Stadium. It's a pretty big area that needs to be covered. So 
uh, having that flexibility is good. The other thing that I thought of when this happened was, you know, it gives the Red Sox some flexibility to see how things work out if they don't end up re-signing JBJ or dipping into, uh, you know, the other free agents who are out there for the outfield. They can always play Renfro and right, move Verdugo to center field and play Benintendi in left. It's it's not my ideal situation, um, but it's a possibility at this point. Yep, exactly. Um, so I guess if, you know, if we're thinking about it, just... Uh, just kind of looking at it from afar, it actually is a pretty decent signing because, I mean, they could go so many different ways with this outfit situation. And in if, you know, if, you know JBJ, if they can't re-sign him or whatever, you know, Renfro can still be your everyday right fielder, and it's not, you know, horrible. So I, that standpoint, I like the signing. I just, I'm still waiting for more signings to be honest yeah me too um let's explore some of those possibilities here for a second shelly um let's say that uh they do re-sign jbj what happens in the outfield if they do bring him back i mean i would love for them to bring back jbj and honestly i think Renfrey would just really be like uh maybe like a binge option um um, and maybe he they would play him over at left. Um, but it'd just be like a really good kind of like fourth outfielder type, in my opinion. Especially like with a one-year deal. Um, as, as much as Benny has been kind of not so great, I, I still think that he should have like an everyday job. So if they do re-sign JBJ, just Renfro is going to be like an awesome bench piece. I mean, because, I mean, last year we had PR as uh, uh, a bench guy. And I, I would definitely would rather have Renfro over PR um, as a bench option. Yeah, certainly a lot more thunder in that bat. So you would be anti a righty-lefty platoon with Andrew Benintendi and Renfro off the bench in left field? Um, I would because I, I still want – maybe I still believe in Benny uh, a, a little bit more. Um, I want to give him like a little bit more run to see if he can actually get back to where he was um, a couple years ago. Um, but if he doesn't show that, then yeah, totally. It's going to be platoon. Yeah, to me, it's a hell of an insurance policy to have Hunter Renfro. If if Benintendi looks like he did at the beginning of uh, last year, um, you know, Renfro steps into that position and provides you a pretty good left fielder. And uh, Red Sox stats immediately tweeted out the the heat map of um, Hunter Renfro overlaid with Fenway, and there are a lot of hard hit balls uh, towards that monster. So I, I tend to think that that bat could be a pretty damn good fit over in Fenway Park. Now let's just think about this, though, Shelley. It's a very left-handed, heavy outfield uh, as it is right now. Um, is this something where this could be provide a little bit more motivation for the Red Sox to trade Andrew Benintendi now that they have Hunter Renfro who can play play left field um maybe um just with all the guys who either got like non-tendered or just 
like Hunter Renfro. Like if if Hunter Renfro is out there and he only got a year and three point one mil. I mean, how much do you think that we honestly could get from Benintendi, who hasn't really been that great for, you know, a year and a half? Um, So I don't necessarily think that it would be a good idea to actually kind of, quote-unquote, like, shop him, because I don't know if we would really get anything in exchange for him. Yeah, that's a fair point at at this juncture. I mean, I don't really know. the one issue is just that, you know, if you bring back JBJ, JBJ is a left-handed bat as well as Andrew Benintendi is, and then we have Verdugo who's a lefty, so you have three lefties in the outfield. Is that anything that you find untenable, or are you cool running with three lefties in the outfield? Um, I mean, I'm kind of fine with it, um, especially if it has JBJ and it has, you know, JBJ's defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I am fine with running with three lefties in the outfield. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm fine with that too. Um, you know, at this point, I almost would prefer Renfro play over Benintendi, um, but I agree with you. I think the most likely scenario right now is that the Red Sox do um, go hard after a center fielder. I do think that that person is going to be JVJ, I just I'm getting a feeling that Heimblum is sort of making him a priority, and I know that this is sort of a gut feel type thing, but it just feels to me like the most likely scenario for this outfield right now is JBJ comes back uh, and they run with Verdugo in right and, and Benny in left. The one thing that I definitely, definitely do not want to see happen under any circumstance is Hunter Renfro taking time from Alex Verdugo in right field, and I am afraid that we will see some of that. Ugh. Uh, yeah. Um, now that you think about it, uh, now that you say that, and now that I think about it, um, I could see that, and I would not like that. Like, let's just say, like, we re-sign JBJ or whatever. Like, I, I am just really going to just despise the games where we have maybe, like, Benny... Um, jbj and then Renfro in that outfield is like where is Verdugo? like he is you know our leader hitter we need to just give him just just pencil him in pin him in i guess just he's gonna be there and i would hate that and i'm afraid that we might see that yeah dude has no platoon splits um his development is important he needs to keep playing every day I, i think it would be a mistake as well where are you at with JBJ? Are you kind of getting the same feeling that I am, that he's probably going to come back, or are you still feeling a little bit pessimistic about his chances of returning? Um, I actually do think that he is going to come back. Um, just kind of how I haven't really heard um, a lot um, from uh, just kind of like rumors and stuff, but what I have heard is definitely, you know, JBJ has been – say that he wants to stay at the Red Sox and the Red Sox has still been linked to him. Um, so I still think that he comes back. And I just, honestly, I just don't know how you can't have um, a team without JBJ. I mean, he's just, uh, I mean, he's just been there, stuck in center. And it's like, it would just really hurt to not see him there. Yeah, I, I badly want the two-year bridge deal uh, for him. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. To, to Duran. You know, I think Duran will probably be up in a fourth outfield role uh, by 
next year at least. Um, but a lot can happen in a year, um, and maybe maybe you only need the one year um, for for Duran to be ready to take over center field. But um, or maybe you end up playing Duran in left field. But I think that it's just smart business, uh, and you'll always be able to find somebody uh, to take on one of these outfielders if you need to expedite JBJ or uh, Duran's path to everyday at-bats, in my opinion. Exactly. Um, so let's look down at the, the rest of the roster here for a second to look at who uh, Hunter Renfro most negatively affects on the roster. Who is now outplaying time, in your opinion, based on Renfro's arrival? Who is now a long shot to get regular at-bats? Or even semi-regular bats, I guess. Um, I mean, the the Munoz thing was kind of odd. Um, I I still think that he might have a chance. Like, um, and then, uh, um, I don't know, Chavis maybe. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's that's the name I was thinking of. Yeah, I just, I mean, I I just don't think that Chavis is really going to stick it. It's second. I do think like Polowiecki is going to take that spot if they don't re-sign or they don't sign someone to take second. Yeah, I mean, I think Chavis is definitely on the bench for me right now. And uh, yeah, I, I feel bad for the guy because he's a super fun guy, fun Twitter follower and everything. But yeah, he, I think, loses a lot right now. Yeah, not even that. I, I think that Chavis ends up option. I think he ends up starting the year in Worcester because he doesn't actually make any sense as a bench piece, especially if we both feel like JBJ is coming back. I mean, why even keep a guy like Chavis on the bench? He doesn't really give you what you need in that role. He's not a great platoon partner um, for Bobby Dahlbeck at first base. He's not an ideal partner. Uh, for for Christian Arroyo, I mean, it's he's going to have to go down to the minor leagues, I think, and work on some of his issues. Uh, luckily, he'll have a really nice new ballpark to go to in Worcester. Exactly. Like, it, I just want like guys to just like just throw him high fastballs. So that's the only thing he needs to work on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of antithetical to what you get with most prospects. But yeah, the dude. Yeah can hammer curveballs but uh fastballs man all right um so outfield situation still very much in flux there um red Sox, though i, I did want to point out one fact that uh shelly put up here and i saw chris hatfield make this point as well red Sox actually drafted renfro in 2010 31st round as a catcher so um you know i guess that makes sense why our our friend and and fellow co-host keaton derocher I likes him so much. He's got a really unhealthy obsession with catchers, doesn't he? <laughs> he he really does. It's 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 yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. All right, so let's talk some rule five. Um, when Matt and I were on last week, um, we were talking about rule five, and Matt asked me, "Hey, what do you think the odds are that the Red Sox take a guy?" And I said, "One hundred percent." Um, because of where their claim was, I was convinced that it was going to happen. Uh, Matt was also really thinking that it was going to happen. And lo and behold, the Red Sox did select somebody 
Uh, they selected right-handed pitcher Garrett Whitlock uh, from the Yankees. Um, Shelly, tell us what we've got here in Garrett Whitlock. I know that you brought up a, um, a scouting report uh, from, I think it was Sox Prospects, uh, who gave us some information on him. So what kind of guy do we have here in Garrett Whitlock? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, uh, he's a right-handed pitcher um, from the Yankee system. Um, he had uh, TJ in 2019, so that's why he really hasn't pitched in about a year and a half. Um, but he has, like, this really interesting, like, kind of, like, three-quarters arm slot. Um, and he has a good fastball slider changeup. Um his fastball sits about 90 to 93. Um, the, the, um, uh, the slider is about, uh, you know, about low 80s. Um, and, you know, it has some potential. And the the changeup, I mean, he's still working on that. But, you know, it's, it's still kind of there. Um, and... I just, I just don't know what the. I mean, I love taking a, a flyer on this guy. I just think that Whitlock is going to just, just be a reliever, which is totally fine. And I'm kind of wondering, like, what the Red Sox actually think, um, because I mean, going into this year, yeah, he's definitely going to be in the bullpen if they expect to keep him, um, because I mean, he, you know, doesn't have a lot of innings on his arm, so he really shouldn't really be a starter but I just think that he could just be like a really really good uh reliever for the Sox going forward yeah it seems like he definitely has a a good amount of potential uh the Yankees knew they were going to lose him um so that kind of tells you what you need to know about that player the Yankees also have been pretty adept at developing um relief pitchers over the year so so that's important um and I like that they took took a guy from the Yankees. That always makes me kind of happy. <laughs> but this is going to be the second year in a row that the Red Sox need to take uh, or keep a player um, that they selected in Rule 5 on their Major League roster the entire year. Uh, Jonathan Reyes was the guy for them last year. Um, so Whitlock is going to be that guy for them this year. Um, he's slated to be a long reliever for this team. And there is still some hope according to some scouts, that he could develop into a back-end starter. So it is kind of interesting and, and definitely uh arm that I am happy that they took. I'm not necessarily expecting huge things from him, but one of the things that this does is it makes me kind of look at this bullpen a little bit, give it a little bit of a harder look, especially when you know they extended contracts to Barnes and Brazier, um, Valdez, we think, is going to be back. Darwinson's definitely going to be back. They gave a contract to Bryce. All of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor and Colton Brewer are looking like the only potential up-in-the-air spots, and, and Taylor seemed pretty damn secure based off of his performance in 2019. So w- what happens with this bullpen now that Garrett Whitlock is there? Are they going to be able to make the improvements that we think they need to? Um, I... I... I think that they might try, and I do think that that you know maybe um, Brewer or or Taylor might you know because they do have a couple options left. Um, they might get the cut if they're able to improve a little bit. 
Um, but I mean, even if they don't improve, I love this bullpen as compared to last year. Like that last year's bullpen was just awful. Um, and I think this is this bullpen is okay. What do you what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it's okay too. I think I'd like to see Brewer replaced with more of a back end type arm. Sure. Um, I think that would be my preference, but uh, I could live with it how it is in a transitional year. I just, with the market being how it is and with how we saw Brad Hand got turned down by everyone in baseball at $10 million a year, what that tells me is that there's way better ways that they can use those two spots, uh, maybe three spots. I mean, as much as we enjoyed Phillips Valdez last year, like are we really going to say he's a lock at this point? Is Bryce really a lock? Like to me, Barnes is a lock. Darwinson's a lock. Garrett Whitlock seems like he's going to be a lock at this point. No pun intended. <laughs> um, but outside of those guys, I think there's a lot of wiggle room and I wouldn't really cry at seeing any of these guys replaced with, the better options that could potentially be on the market. I still think the Red Sox need to maintain a lot of flexibility here to be able to add bigger names and better names. I would agree. I would agree. So would you prioritize bullpen over, you know, maybe some of the the outfield position? Um, yeah, I probably would only because I'm becoming less, convinced that the Red Sox are going to be taking a meaningful plunge in the outfield, you know, like in Ozuna or Springer. I just don't think that they view either of those players as uh, big fits right now, and they seem pretty intent on getting something out of Benintendi. Um, So I think that that leaves the pitching side of things, and I think that this market is going to make it much easier uh, to address relief pitching because we've seen that starting pitchers are basically the only players still getting contracts that make sense and that are at previous year market values. Okay. Yeah. I, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Where are you at with that? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I just really just want to get JPJ back to be honest, because that the, the outfield situation when it comes um, you know, to Renfro and Benintendi, I still don't know what I feel about those two guys. And, you know, Renfro is only just one year. Uh, so, honestly, it's a lot of the Benintendi where I'm just like, I don't know if I give him some leeway or just, okay, we've seen it, seen what he has done and it hasn't been that great for about a year and a half and I need to move on. Um, so... Yeah, I, I'm still kind of up in the air. Yeah, I would say the one exception I have is probably uh, JBJ, and I still stand by. I think Ozuna would be an amazing fit for this roster for a number of reasons, and I don't care if that means you have to move uh, Benny to the bench. Um, ultimately, like that would be my favorite thing, is sign JBJ and Ozuna and just move uh, Benny to the bench. That would be great. Um but I just don't, especially with Renfro now on the roster, I just don't see any way that they can do that um, without trading somebody. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, all right, so 
Rule 5, uh, let's just end it. They also made a couple of uh, other Rule 5 picks uh, in the minor league phase. They selected first baseman Tyreek Reed uh, from the Rangers and Caleb Ort from the Yankees again. Again, hitting the Yankees where it hurts. Um, you know, Ort, Ort seems like a uh, org reliever, apparently. And um, Tyreek Reed, it says here, uh, you know, Plus, plus raw power. It seems like some hit tool questions um, kind of sounds a little bit like the profiles that the Red Sox have a lot of in their minor leagues right now. What did you think of these two guys? Uh, yeah, uh, I pretty much think the same thing, especially about Reed. It's just kind of like, okay, it's kind of like a, a corner guy who might be able to hit and then just kind of a reliever. So, um. I mean, if they feel fine with just taking some flyers on these guys, I'm totally cool with it. Yeah, why not? I think it's uh, it's worked for Tampa Bay in the past to play relief pitching, especially uh, as a numbers game. So why not uh, flex that good waiver position that they have when they have it? Exactly. A um, couple other notes. Dave Dombrowski uh, was hired as the Phillies president of baseball operations. What do you think about Mr. Dombrowski getting another job here? <laughs> I was actually like really surprised about this. Because, uh, I mean, Dombrowski was kind of like kind of linked with like this Nashville MLB baseball project that, that you know, maybe if MLB would expand a little bit, uh, they there's this like group that really wanted to bring baseball to Nashville, which sounds like a great idea. Um, and then when I saw that he was hired by the Phillies, I was just shocked because I'm just like, it, it just doesn't vibe Dabrowski and what the Phillies have been kind of showing, like what they've been doing, which is just crying poor and uh, <laughs> <laughs> crying poor and they don't really have the greatest of farm system. It just didn't really make sense. Um, so I'm very, in, I will be watching to see what on earth the Phillies are going to do with Dombrowski because it just, just does not vibe to me. Like, it's like oil and vinegar to me. Like, I'm just like, huh. I don't understand it. Wow. Um, we could not have more different takes on this. I always like when we uh, when we disagree on this show because we so often think the same thing. But um, I think this is a perfect fit for Dave Dombrowski. And the reason why is uh, a lot of the reasons you kind of pointed out. The the roster for the Phillies is a little bit stagnant. Um, you know, they have the young guys and the, the productive guys. Baum just came up. Harper, Hoskins, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, who's an older guy at the top of that lineup. And then, as you mentioned, the farm kind of sucks. Um, but what is, what is Dombrowski excellent at? He's excellent at telling you what the problems are with your team going out and spending a boatload of money to address those problems. Uh, and then the other thing that he's great at is packaging up as many prospects as you would like uh, for the thing that he wants on your team. And with the Phillies already having a pretty subpar system, it kind of seems like a good fit for them to be able to, you know, look at this situation and be like, all right, yep, pick, pick whoever you want. These five guys, fine, whatever, ship them off for whatever we need, um, it's going to be hard for him to leave that system 
in that much worse shape, I think. So I, That's I think fair. He'll, he'll be worth like I, I think Dombo is is sneaky gonna be worth like seven wins to the Phillies. I mean it's very interesting because I mean while I had like that initial reaction, I also had like this, you know, secondary reaction is a lot of teams are crying poor. I mean the Phillies are one of those teams. Mm-hmm. But could could Dom just kind of like convince ownership to just like we're gonna take like quote unquote like a bad contract and just give you like some really bad not bad but just kind of like lower tier prospects and we will take some of that money and then like totally transform the Phillies lineup that could be interesting yeah I think you're right and and I have a hard time believing that Dombrowski signs on to a situation where he doesn't get sort of a bunch of freedom, both financially and with the the farm system, to do whatever he wants. And that was a condition of him coming to the Red Sox, and we know that they let him do what he wanted, even to the detriment of the team, um, ultimately leading to the infamous trade that shall not be named, um, <laughs> because people get too sad about it. But, yeah, I, I agree. But I think... Uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch what unfolds with that team over the next year or so. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Okay, um, let's move on to some listener questions here. We have a whole bunch of interesting questions. Our first one comes from Mike Toomey, and he gives us a trade proposal. He says, would you consider doing Verdugo for Snell and Kiermaier? Addendum, then sell Ozuna and move Benintendi to right. Addendum, I know, I know. What's your initial reaction to the first part of this? Verdugo for Snell and Kiermaier. Um, as much as I like Snell, um, I would not do that. I really, really do like Verdugo a lot. And, and Snell with maybe like some injury stuff kind of concerns me. And Kiermaier is just kind of like... I'm sorry, a lesser JBJ at this point. Um, uh, so I would not do Verdugo for Snell. Uh, I would, for okay. sure. Um, I love that we're disagreeing today. So Verdugo, <laughs> as much as I like him, I think that he's a much easier type of player to replace in baseball than a potential frontline ace. We've already seen Snell win a Cy Young uh, we've seen him perform in the playoffs, um, that that game that was so infamous in the playoffs where he was taken out too early really sticks with me. I think Snell is a head case, and I think that he is also a little bit injury prone, like you said, but if you can get a frontline type ace uh, for for a player who is good but not a superstar in Verdugo, I think you do that every time, and, and, and I actually do like the Kiermaier part of this because Kiermaier is making a good bit of money for the uh, raise right now. I think he's making close to $10 bucks. So dumping Kiermaier is probably something that they would be happy to do because they have so many other guys on that team that can play center field. Margot comes to mind right away. Um, but I don't think that that would be anywhere close to enough uh, for Snell. Do you think that they would actually consider Verdugo for Snell and Kiermaier if that was offered to them? 
Um, hmm. honestly, I, they 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 probably would. Um, maybe it's like some like Tampa Bay kind of um love that Heimloom has. I I don't know. I I mean, believe me, I love Snow. I love him. I think that he's really good. It's just the injury stuff. It is. I mean, I know that Tampa only really only lets him go like five innings, at, at most, and yeah. maybe six. And it's like, what is it about that? Like, it just gives <laughs> me just. I just remember like with the Rays how they always did that with like Jake Odorizzi. Like they didn't let him go for very long, and. That uh, not saying that Jacob DeRizzi and Blake Snow were the exact same pitcher, but they knew that he couldn't go more than you know three times through a lineup, and uh, you know he goes over to Minnesota and they try to make him go a little bit further and it didn't work, so then they mm. went back to just only two times through and he was fine. Right. So it's just like uh, I don't know. I maybe I'm just I maybe I just like the. Uh, the the floor that I know that I'm going to get from Verdugo versus the volatility of Snell and Kimar. Yeah, Verdugo is definitely a safe player and one who's you know very well contract controlled for a while, which is you know in, more important to some teams than others, and maybe that is a selling point for the Rays too. So I don't know, maybe this is a little closer than I think it is. The second part of the trade is uh, the Ozuna signing. I think. We would both be psyched about that, correct? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Benny to write though is a horrendous idea. Um, <laughs> his his arm, man, uh, that's not going to work in right field. And also, Benny has been losing sprint speed over the last few years. I I don't like the idea of Benny in right field at Fenway. I don't think that's tenable. Yeah, Benny and Wright, I'm just absolutely. Uh, just terrified at that prospect <laughs> but like luckily with with renfro now if you make this trade like all of a sudden your your outfield is ozuna uh Kiermeyer, and renfro and snell is in your rotation i like that team a whole hell of a lot better than i like this team right now i'll tell you that i mean that's fair that that's 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 totally fair maybe i need <laughs> to rethink things <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I've convinced you, potentially. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have a very soft spot for Snell. Like, that dude is amazing. Yeah, the stuff is, is definitely nasty. All right, next one, we have a, a crazier trade over here. We got a three-teamer. All right, so I'll break this one down. Rays get Christian Vasquez and Hunter Dozier. Uh, Rays definitely were interested in him. They do need a catcher. Royals get Shane Boz, uh, Kevin Paldo, Jay Groom, and Michael Chavis. Sox get Sal Perez, uh, Peter Fairbanks, and Josh Stalmont. Who says no to this trade? Um, hmm. So Sox getting two sexy relievers mm-hmm. and a worse defensive catcher, but a better offensive catcher. Yeah. Honestly, I think that the Red Sox say no. I think they really, really love Vasquez. I think they like Vasquez a lot, too. 
I don't think upgrading to Sal, or I don't actually think they would view it as an upgrade to get Sal. I think they'd view it as a downgrade slightly. I like the arms that they'd get, and the fact that they would only be giving up Jay Groom and Michael Chavis in this deal just doesn't make it realistic to me. Mm-hmm. It, it actually seems like the Royals or, or the uh, Rays are kind of giving up the most by giving up Shane Boz and a couple other pieces. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Um, I don't know. Maybe, I, I don't know. I think that uh, Boz is probably just a reliever, but... Mm, okay, so yeah, if you have a valuation of a reliever on him, all of a sudden this deal does make a bit more sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I maybe I just don't trust uh, Shea Boz enough. I just I've I've seen him um, a couple times, um, you know, in the minor leagues, and I've seen him as a starter, and I've also seen him as a reliever, and um, I honestly think that his stuff plays up better as a reliever and I do think that he could be like a good you know be two inning or definitely closure type because he has legit stuff but it does it definitely tails off so I I don't know I just feel Bows as a reliever at this point so yeah you know the more I stare at this trade it kind of is interesting um we get a lot of these fake trade type questions, not even here, but at, you know, the fantasy stuff that we do. And mm-hmm. this is one of the more interesting, realistic-ish trades we've gotten because the Royals here are loading up on potential starting pitchers and young position players, which actually makes sense for where they are. And the Rays get to get a quality catcher and another first base slash outfield type profile guy, which they love to collect. So... I don't know. It, it's sort of interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, like the more I look at it, it's not like it's actually a good like three team trade, which you very rarely ever see. So, uh, if this would ever to get to, you know, to ever come to fruition, um, I wouldn't necessarily hate it. It would just be a very interesting kind of like trade to kind of watch like a couple years out yeah yeah totally yvonne l apex good question or whatever proposal (laughs) uh louis l has our next question he says does benintendi have any options left and do you see a scenario where he starts the year in worcester um i think benintendi does have options right uh yeah he has three. three yeah I don't see any way that Benny is starting off in the minor leagues. What do you think? Yeah, I don't see um, any option where he would uh, be in Worcester at all. Yeah. Nope. I I just, I, I can't see them doing that to him. It seems like the thing that gets in Benny's way more than anything is uh, in between his ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I doubt they'd want to do that to the kid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Seth Day has our next question. He says, are the Red Sox interested in signing uh, DJ LeMahieu this offseason as he and the Yankees are $25 million bucks apart? What are your thoughts on DJ LeMahieu? He's older. I think he's 32, right? But he's really good. Uh, yeah, he's he's really good. Um, and I mean, believe me, I would love to have him on the Red Sox. 
I just think that his kind of, um, you know, batting profile or whatever really works with the short porch in, in Yankee Stadium. I, I just really think that D.J. LeMahieu and the Yankees and Yankee Stadium just like, really work together extremely well. And if he were to go, I mean, I've seen him kind of being linked to, like, Toronto and just other teams like that. But, I, I yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know if, um, Really, the Red Sox can outcompete the Yankees or the Blue Jays or someone like that. Yeah, I don't see this happening. Uh, in just the age of LeMahieu and the uncertainty of where the Red Sox are at right now, makes this seem like it's probably not the right fit uh, for these two clubs. If the Red Sox were like a 92-win team uh, and they had a whole second base and their pitching was more secure, I'd be like, yeah, hell yeah, go steal LeMahieu from a division rival. But mm-hmm. not now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Keaton has our final question of the day. He says, over under, how many homers is Renfro going to hit this year? Uh, and he gives us 45 <laughs> as the number. Uh, see, I told you he has some serious issues, this Keaton guy. Um where where are you going? You taking the over here? <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, he's going to hit like fifty five home runs. Uh, but to be honest, he's going to hit less than that. Is I mean, I was really excited to see uh, Renfro sign, and then once I then I was just like, oh, what does Keaton think about this? So I'm very <laughs> glad that Keaton is happy in the year 2020 because this year has been awful. Yeah, anything to make you happy, Keaton. Um, but but in all real realism, uh, all realistic realms of, of life, I think even if Renfro got everyday playing time, I think he'd probably hit like thirty ish ding dongs because yeah. he strikes out kind of a lot too, and you know myriad different issues with with Renfro. But like, it is a pretty good fit, uh, especially in a fourth outfielder role. Totally, totally agree. Which we have to give Keaton credit to, and in all of his, uh, you know, get working himself into a fervor over how much he likes Renfro, he did say he would be a good fourth outfielder a few times. So credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. Props to Keaton. Yes, happy for you, buddy. Um, so that about does it for our show today. Um, Shelly, are you working on anything these days that you want the people to know about? Um, no, I'm kind of laying low. Um, I'm just working on like fantasy baseball franks and, you know, doing like some round tables, round tables on over the monster and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all good stuff. I'm basically doing the same thing, working on the fantasy stuff as well as the Red Sox stuff. So yeah, keep coming to the site, keep checking out our round tables. If there's anything you want us to write about that we're not writing about, shoot us a note on the pod or, or send us an email or something. We're always looking for ideas, too. Um, and as news breaks over the course of this offseason, we'll be with you for emergency podcasts. Luckily, we got our signing on our regular podcast day today, so that was pretty sweet. But um, <laughs> if we do not talk to you, I don't know if either of us will be on before Christmas. Have a wonderful holiday, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. 
For Shelly, I'm Jake saying thanks for listening and we'll be with you next time.